But if you've got your Bible, why don't you turn with me? We are uh, continuing our series in Matthew. We're now in the Sermon on the Mount. So we're very creatively calling this series the Sermon on the Mount, Matthew Part 2. If you've got your Bibles, why don't you turn with me? We're going to be in Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. So that's Matthew chapter 5, verses 1 to 20. Seeing the crowds, he, that's Jesus, went up the mountain. And when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit. Just turn this down a little bit. Um, yeah, Matthew 5, 1 to 20. Seeing the crowds, he went up the mountain and he sat down. His dis- and when he sat down, his disciples came to him. And he opened his mouth and taught them, saying, Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they shall be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they shall be satisfied. Blessed are the merciful, for they shall receive mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called sons of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted for righteousness' sake, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when others revile you and persecute you. And speak all kinds of evil against you falsely on my account. Rejoice and be glad, for your reward is great in heaven. For so they persecuted the prophets who were before you. You are the salt of the earth. But if the salt has lost its taste, how shall its saltiness be restored? It's no longer good for anything except to be thrown out and trampled under people's feet. You are the light of the world. A city on the hill cannot be hidden. Nor do people light a lamp and put it under a basket, but on a stand, and it gives light to all the people in the house. In the same way, let your light shine before others so that they may give, see your good works and give glory to your Father who is in heaven. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I say to you, until heaven and earth pass away, not an iota, not a dot, will pass away from the law until all is accomplished. Therefore, whoever relaxes one of the least of these commandments and teaches others to do the same will be called least in the kingdom of heaven. But whoever does them and teaches them will be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I tell you, unless your righteousness exceeds, is greater than, that of the scribes and the Pharisees, you will never enter the kingdom of heaven. As I say this morning, we are uh, continuing our series in Matthew. Um, Up to this point, we've seen 
Jesus' ministry begin? Matthew has taken a long time to introduce us to who Jesus is. The first four chapters of Matthew are all about who is this guy? And we've seen that Matthew has presented to to us Jesus as the Christ, the promised one, the Messiah who's going to come and fulfill all the promises of God. He's the son of uh, David, the one who fulfills that promise of there will be a king on David's throne who will reign forever and be as a son to God. He is the son of Abraham, who is the promised one who's going to come and bless the nations. And and Matthew, as, as we've been taken through those first Four chapters of Matthew has shown us again and again and again how Jesus fulfills each promise of God to his people and to the world. He is the one who's going to come and overturn uh, sin and Satan. He's the one who's going to come and overcome every obstacle. He's going to be the one who ushers in the kingdom of God. God's full and final reign over all the earth. This is the one. And Matthew has been ringing the bell. Here he is. Pay attention. Up to this point... Up to the beginning of chapter 5, we've not heard Jesus say very much at all. But now, we zoom in. Matthew takes us, he's been saying, and Jesus began preaching the kingdom of heaven. And now we zoom in and we see Matthew say, and here it is. Here is Jesus now, in this instance, declaring what the kingdom of heaven is. And you might be taken off guard as you listen to what Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is. Because he talks to you about your money. He talks to you about your marriage. He talks to you about how you view sex and relationships and divorce. How you view how how you treat people who mistreat you. And he speaks about some very, very practical things. But this is the kingdom of heaven. We're living in a a time, actually, just these these next... uh, uh, ten days, we are in a, a, a time of national mourning, as we said as we started. We're in a time of national mourning as we mourn the loss of our queen. And, and, it, and it shakes people. But Jesus comes and he says, it's not just a, a new king I'm bringing. I'm bringing you a new kingdom. A new kingdom. And life in this kingdom looks completely different to the world around you. This is how the world lives. This is how I'm asking you to live. And you notice, as Jesus, as, as Matthew introduced this chapter, as Jesus begins teaching what is the Sermon on the Mount, we see that Jesus is attracting crowds, he's preaching, he's seeing people healed, the crowds are coming, of course they would, he's beginning to build up a name for himself, and seeing the crowds, we're told, he goes up the mountain, he sits down, and he talks to his disciples. Right? The, so he is, the Sermon on the Mount is directed to people who are followers of Jesus. And the crowds are looking in. So as we read the Sermon on the Mount, you've got to remember, who's Jesus preaching to? He's preaching to us, to his followers. And the world is watching. The crowds are watching. Who is this guy who puts these demands on his followers? Who are these people who are called to live this way? To to radically give themselves to this way of living. To radically love those who persecute them. To radically uh, give in ways that that, that isn't public. To radically uh, live uh, uh, for a righteousness that exceeds that of our, our greatest religious leaders. This is what Jesus is doing. He's saying this is what life in the kingdom looks like. And it can be hard to read some of this stuff. If you read, we, last week we, we just read through the Sermon on the Mount and there were some, some difficult things there. Things that 
might make you feel uncomfortable. And some things that even as I've been reading them myself, as I've been preparing my heart to be preaching this series, I felt, am I, am I a Christian? <laughs> I'm challenged by them afresh because they are radical. It is a radical way to live. And Jesus is saying, this really is how I want you to live if you're going to follow me. He says, your, if your righteousness doesn't exceed that of the, the Pharisees and the teachers, you're not going to enter the kingdom of heaven. That's the, the challenge. And he really does expect us to live this way. But if we receive that as just more rules to follow, it is not good news. Do you, do you see what I'm saying? It's not good news. If Jesus is just giving us more rules and saying, these are more hoops that you have to jump through to receive the kingdom of heaven, to receive God's favour, then this is not good news. And yet Matthew calls it good news. So what's going on here? And I just want to, what I want to do this morning is I just want to highlight three things to us that, that Jesus says in this opening statement that we've just read that kind of is a, a preface to the, um, to the Sermon on the Mount. Three things that I think are foundational to our understanding of everything else that Jesus is going to say when he talks to us about our money, when he talks to us about our relationships, when he talks to us about how we love one another. Three things that will ground us as we come to this. And so... As we come to each of these uh, commands and demands, we have to understand them in light of these, uh, of these things. And these three things are that it begins with blessing, it is founded on fulfilment, and it shows our sonship. I'm a preacher, so I made them rhyme, or alliterated them. Thanks. Got Fiona here, just giving me the words that I need as I need as I need them. Begins with blessing, founded on fulfilment, and shows our sonship. The crowds are gathering. The crowds are gathering. Who, what's this guy going to say? This great teacher who's just arrived, who's who's been preaching the king, the arrival of the kingdom, of whom John the Baptist said, "The axe is laid at the bottom of the tree." Right now is the time. Judgment is coming. What is he going to say? Blessed, blessed, blessed. The kingdom comes and the first words of the kingdom for the, those looking in are blessed. You are, it's blessing. And the amazing thing about the Sermon on the Mount is that, that it comes. Um, you think, what does God have to say to us wretched people? And he comes and he says, you are blessed, blessed. And they're surprising blessings. Blessed are the poor, blessed are the, those who, who feel the lack, blessed are the people who look at the world and think, there is something terribly wrong here. Blessed are the people who mourn. You know, as a nation, we're mourning. Blessed are the mourn. Though bless those who mourn. They will be comforted. The kingdom comes, firstly, to bless. People who, who feel the wrongness of their own heart, who think, actually, I lack righteousness. I, I'm, I'm not good enough. I, I fail every time, in every way. Jesus comes and says, blessed, you will be satisfied. If you're hungering for righteousness, if you're hungering for, for God's justice and mercy to enter the world, I tell you, it's here and you will be satisfied. There are these uh, surprising reversals. You know, that we're not told things at this point of things that we need to do to earn blessing. Right? You know, we, we are... We are we are just blessed. We're just blessed. So these first four blessings, right? Blessed are the poor. Blessed are the, those who mourn. Blessed are the, the meek, the weak. Blessed are those who are hungry. 
They're not qualities that we need to try and put on to receive blessing. We're just being told that we're blessed. We are blessed. I don't try to, I have to make myself meek. I have to try and make myself hungry. I've got to try and make myself poor in spirit. No, we're, we're all there. And God, Jesus comes and says, you are blessed. And so it has less to do uh, with, with what the followers of Jesus do at this point and more who they are. Who are you? You are a blessed community. Now Jesus is going to unpack what it means to be merciful, what it means to be peacemakers, what it means to be pure in heart, and what it means and what it looks like to, to bless those who persecute you, what it means to, to suffer for the sake of righteousness. Jesus is going to talk about each of those things as we go through the Sermon on the Mount, but right now he's just saying, you are blessed. And we've got to receive that. If you don't read the Sermon on the Mount through the lens of, Jesus has come to bless me, then you're going to struggle to read it. I tell you, the, the, the world looks at our faith, at Christianity, and, and, and almost paints this picture of we are uh, joy, the, the joy killers, right? We're, we're the ones who come and we, we say, no, you can't do this. It's all irrelevant rules and, and ultimately things that don't have, aren't for our good. And we're the enemies of the good life, right? That's kind of how it's painted. I think more and more we're feeling that in our country. I tell you, Jesus comes and he says, this stuff is good for you. Right? When, I put, when I put boundaries around marriage, hey, it's good for you. When I, put, uh, when I teach you about what it looks like to pray, it's good for you. When I put this in place for, for, for giving, it is good for you and it is blessing. And we need to understand that. Begins with blessing, founded on fulfillment. So what is the grounds of this blessing? And how will it be brought about? How is it that Jesus can come and say, I'm come to give you blessing? How is this transformation going to happen? Jesus tells us he's not come to abolish the law, but to fulfill them. To complete. That's what the word uh, fulfill. To, to complete, to perfect them, to bring them to their fullness. Not, he's not, uh, he's not uh, come to, to, to shut them off as though they're irrelevant. He's come to see them come into their fullness. To be perfected, completed. Brought to their perfect end. That's what Jesus has come to do. So every demand... And every promise that we read in the Old Testament is fulfilled in Jesus, right? So when Jesus, uh, when, when the Old Testament tells us these, these are the laws that you must follow to be right with God, Jesus has overcome every, every obstacle, every temptation, every sin. He has fulfilled the law perfectly. And we've already seen that in Matthew. As Satan comes to tempt Jesus, Jesus re uh, rejects and rebukes. And as he does that, it's as though we who follow Jesus have also done that. Because he has come to fulfill the law. He meets every requirement that I fail to meet. And he fulfills every promise. Promises like in Jeremiah 31, 33, For this is the covenant that I will make with the house of Israel after those days, declares the Lord. I will put my law within them, my word within them, and I will write it on their hearts. I will be their God and they shall be my people. Jesus comes to fulfill. Everywhere we fall short, he fulfills. And every promise that God has made, Jesus comes to fulfill. And so when we understand this, 
that Jesus has come to fulfill every requirement and every promise. We, we suddenly understand that when he's showing us how to live and when he's calling us to a righteousness that is uh, to a perfection, as he's going to say later, he's going to say, you must be perfect as your father is perfect. Your righteousness must exceed that of everyone who's gone before you, all of those great religious leaders. Your righteousness needs to exceed it. It needs to be uh, greater than those guys. When we, when we understand that Jesus has fulfilled and has come to fulfill promise, we, we recognise that what he's offering us, what he's, what he's calling us to, is an entirely new kind of righteousness. Not one of jumping through hoops to make God pleased, but one of, hey, I've done something in you. I've transformed you. I've made you totally new. Now come and live and enjoy what I've given you. Come and live in the kingdom that I've given you. Come and build your life, as he's going to say later, on this rock that I, that I have established. As I say, it's a new kind of righteous, righteousness. When he says in verse 17 here, as we just read, uh, that unless your righteousness exceeds, sorry, verse 20, unless your righteousness exceeds uh, those of uh, the, the, the Pharisees, he says it on the basis of what he's come to do. So Christians, we're not called to live under the law, the Old Testament law, we're not called to live under it, but as Christians we're called to live above it, not in the sense of I'm above the law, I can do what I want, but, but called to a higher standard. And we're going to see Jesus do, do that again and again through the Sermon on the Mount. He says, you've heard it said, um, an eye for an eye, a tooth for a tooth, but I say to you, you get angry with your brother you and he's, and, he's, and he's going to do this again and again you've heard it said this i say to you and he's calling his followers to a higher standard to this high standard not on the basis of their best efforts but on the basis of of his fulfilling every promise and every requirement our righteousness isn't like that of these other guys these pharisees these scribes the religious because it isn't based on rule keeping. It comes from the heart. Right? There's, this new kind of righteousness isn't a surface level thing of, of stuff that is done. Right? Jesus cares about what we do. But he cares about what we do because he cares about our hearts. Which is why he says, look, you know, don't, it's not just about not committing adultery. It's about where is your heart in that? What's going on in your heart at that point? Hey, if you, if you, if you even have a wandering eye, look, you're committing adultery in your heart and, and there's something wrong with your heart and it's your heart I've come to deal with. It's your heart that I'm after. That's what Jesus is about. That's the kind of righteousness he wants to produce in us. Righteousness that comes from the heart. Not just rule keeping. But, what, but, but one that is so, uh, we've been totally won. That, that promise that we read before of, of his law being on our hearts. That's what Jesus is after. That's what Jesus has come to do. Jesus isn't about so much what you do, although as we say, he, he cares deeply about what you do because it's a reflection of what's going on in your heart. He cares about who you are, right? I'm not a sinner because I sin. I sin because I'm a sinner. You know, I'm not a murderer because, I, as, this isn't me uh, admitting to, to anything here. I'm not a murderer because I've, I've murdered. Right? I've murdered because in my heart I'm a murderer. Right? That's, that's, that's the heart of sin. Right? Sin is, isn't just a surface thing. Sin is something from the heart. And it's the heart that Jesus has come to, to deal with. 
part of this completed work, as we say, that Jesus has accomplished, is our adoption as sons of God. That's the turnaround. Right? We go from being sinners who sin out of the overflow of who we are to being sons. Sons and daughters of the king who, out of the overflow of who we are, live totally radical and different lives. To say, we are, it, the Sermon on the Mount begins with blessing, it is founded on fulfilment, and it shows our sonship. John's, uh, John's Gospel, John says at the beginning, he says, to all who did receive him and believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. One of the things um, uh, that really strikes me when I've looked through the Sermon on the Mount is just how often Jesus refers to God as our Father, not his Father, as our Father. Right? As you read through it, Jesus is going to, as he talks to you about prayer, as he talks to you about righteousness, as he talks to you about uh, all of these different things, he's going to remind you who your Father is. 17 times I went through and I counted. 17 times over the course of the Sermon on the Mount, God is referred to as our Father. And so throughout all of this, Jesus is appealing to us again and again, as us, appealing to our status as children of God when he's showing us how we ought to live. He's not saying, do this to become children of God. He's saying, you are God is your father. Therefore, live as though he is. God is your father. He loves you. Therefore, be as children to him. He says, you, will, you must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. That's what he's going to say later on in at the end of chapter five. You must be perfect as your heavenly father is perfect. Now, how do you read that must? Right? You must be or well you, well, you must be, right? right? You're, you're, if you're, if you're the ch- children of the Holy One of the, God, if you're, if you're really, truly sons of God, then, then just, it's, you must be. You must be perfect. And that's what's happening. That's what's happening. As we, as we become children of God, we are made more and more like him. So that one day they'll say, ah, oh, you're a chip off the old block, right? The apple doesn't fall far from the tree. Now, some of you may have heard that said in a negative way. Right? People might have gone, oh, you're just like your mom, you're just like your dad. I tell you, God says, you will be like me. As you become my children, you will become like me. So when people see you, they're going to see the one who you belong to. Right? I, I, I look like my dad. Sometimes I go to places where my dad has been before me. And the first thing that people will say is, I know whose son you are. Right? Before they know anything about me, they know whose I am. And that's something that Jesus is drawing out, right? Remember the, the Sermon on the Mount is, is to the disciples in the light, in, in, uh, um, with the crowds looking in. They're saying, look, there's, there's something of this going on. As Jesus is saying, look, you're, you're going to be my, if you're going to be sons of God, the world's watching, this is how you're going to live. And they'll recognize you as such. Children of God live a certain way. They value what he values. They love the way he loves. They forgive the way he forgives. They bring peace and are generous in the way he is. Children inherit the traits of their father. And they trust him. They trust him in hard times. A lot of the teaching that we're going to see in the Sermon on the Mount demands faith in God. Right? We, will not, like, we can't do it. We can't do some of these radical things if we don't trust God. 
Hey, if you know him as your father, you will. You will. Now here, hear me on this. These things show our sonship. They don't achieve our sonship. Right? You, you do not earn your place in this family. You can't. Jesus says, if you receive me, you become my brother, you become my sister, and you become a child of God. If you receive Jesus, you're in the family. And this will happen to you, these things. They're not so, they're, they are commands, but they'll become more and more descriptions of the kind of person you are as you follow Jesus, as you walk with him. It's so important we get the ordering right because it is, we are prone to thinking that I've got to earn my way into this family. We do it so often. A wonderful thing that Jesus says here is that as we live this way, we will be glorifying God. We'll be showing the world how good God is. That's my prayer for us as Freedom Church. As we, as we live the way that God has called us to here, people will see us and they'll go, wow, these guys are insanely generous. These guys are, are, are they, like, it doesn't matter what you throw at them, what hate you throw at them, they come back and it's just love and it's goodness. And people begin to join the dots and they go, I wonder if that's what God's like. I would love us to be that for North Hull for this community, to demonstrate the love of God to this place. Or in other words, to be salt and light, as Jesus describes. Right? City on a hill can't be hidden. I, don't, I think it, at the best of times, wherever you put a city, it's quite hard to hide. But a city on a hill cannot be hidden, and that's not what it's for. You put a city on a hill uh, for a lot of reasons, but one of the reasons is not to hide it. It is there. We are here to be on display to all the world. That's what Jesus is doing when he puts the church in the, uh, this community, this family, in the heart of a city, in North Hull, in South Africa, anywhere else in the world. He says, this will be a display of who I am to these people. That's our call. Salt isn't salty. Um, salt isn't salt. Uh, salt is salty. Okay, just don't... Don't run away with me. Um, salt isn't salty, but let me start again. Salt, I've written this bit down because I knew I would get tripped up. Salt isn't salt because it's salty. It's salty because it's salt. Right? Do you, do you understand that? Right? It's saltiness is essential. It, it is, it is uh, salty because of who it is. As I say, we are, we are displaying our sonship because we're sons. We cannot make ourselves um, do what we are not, are not. But God has made us his. He has made us light. He has made us salt. And so as we move in these things that he has made us, we will perform these things. When followers of Jesus are unable to hide who they are. Which is why later in the Sermon on the Mount, as Jesus is wrapping up, he gives this warning of, of false teachers and false followers. And he says to them, he says to his followers, you'll recognise them by their fruit. You'll recognise these guys by their fruit. Uh, just as the world will recognise you by your fruit, you will recognise false followers by their fruit. Because they're not following me. They won't be able to live these ways. But, but true believers will be what they are called to be. It's all from this place of blessing. And having seen Jesus fulfill all the requirements and promises of the law on your behalf. 
Not as a result of works, says Paul to the Ephesians. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast, because we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. Hey, if this is a description, Sermon on the Mount is a description of a person, you might think, wow, what a person this is. What a person this is. I tell you, we live this way, not for our glory, but for the glory of God. We don't earn our way into this, as we've said, but we, we live that way as a display of who God is. There's no boasting in this life. Why? Because I can't do it. And I'm pretty sure you can't either, apart from the work of God in us. We're told after Jesus steps down from the Sermon on the Mount, the crowds are astonished. They are astonished because he was teaching as one who had authority and not as the other teachers that they'd heard in the past. As we go through the Sermon on the Mount together, there are going to be times when we are astonished at what Jesus has to say to us, with the authority that he speaks to us, the call that he gives us. And 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 I want to make sure that when we come to those things, some of those things that are going to be hard to hear and harder to do, we need to understand that it's all in light of what Jesus has done. We need to understand that the kingdom is good news. It's not more rules. It, it, is, it, is, it comes and it makes us blessed. It comes and fulfills promises. It comes and calls us sons. And as we understand these things, we are equipped to live these ways. Paul says to the Corinthians, doesn't he? Uh, 2 Corinthians 3 says, We now with unveiled face, beholding the glory of God, are being transformed uh, into the same image from one degree of glory to another. As we see Jesus, as we know him, as we walk with him, we're going to be transformed again and again and again until one day, John says in his letter, 1 John, he says, one day we will see him face to face and we will be like him because we will see him as he is. The whole Christian walk is one of seeing Jesus more and more. And one day we're going to see him face to face and, and our journey will be brought to a rapid end as we see him and we are made totally perfect in light of his goodness and his glory. In the meantime, we're called to display what we've seen in Jesus. We're called to show the world so that just as we're being transformed, we transform the world around us. We do that as well. I was just to stand, I'd love just to, just to consider some things as we, as we wrap up um, this morning. We're going to, as I say, over the next uh, weeks, we're going to be spending time in the Sermon on the Mount and we're going to be looking at some of these challenging things. Um, but I just want to pray over us. Um, I just know that there are a number of things that that may well be uh, current for us as we hear some of this stuff. So why don't you stand with me, we're just going to pray. Yeah, Yeah, it may be that even as you hear again that that call and that status that we share in as as children of God, um, it, it... it kind of provokes all sorts of things in you. As I say, maybe there, maybe there have been uh, 
there are family connotations. You know, there are there are people in your family that you don't want to be like. You know, parents that you don't want to imitate. Uh, but I just feel God would say to you, "Hey, you're you're in a new family. You belong to me." And and you can't dabble. Here's the thing: you cannot dabble in sonship. You either are a child or you are not a child. You cannot dabble in it. And so it's time, I think, just to rec- for each of us to recognise our sonship, our child, being a child of God, recognise who we are. Maybe there are areas of our life that we recognise as we go through the Sermon on the Mount that are gonna that aren't in line with with who we belong to, whose family we're part of, that aren't in keeping with uh, those, those traits of our Father. Lord, I pray that as we come through this series that you would, you would challenge us, that we would be astounded by the authority that you speak with. But Lord, we thank you that we approach all of these things having seen them fulfilled in you. And God, I pray that as we have our anger challenged, lust poor views of marriage or money Lord I pray that you would transform us to be more and more like you perhaps some of us have been prone to worry and again that coming from a place of not understanding that God is our father Lord I pray for for those that they would would know that they, they can bring all things to you anything and everything, no matter how big and how small, that we would be able to trust in you, lean on you as our Father, who guards and protects and sustains us. Lord, I pray that you would draw us not into a relationship with you that is just based on rules, as you so easily can if you're reading something like this, but one that recognises that we are children with our Father. Lord, I pray that we would, we would be drawn into that more and more, that we would understand that more and more. And if, if there's anybody here who's been trying to do all this stuff in their own strength, Lord, I pray that you would, uh, you would come and you would uh, bring a renewal of strength. But Lord, I pray that you would come and bring that challenge. Look, you cannot do this in your strength. You cannot do this on your own. But Lord, I pray that you would comfort each of us as you call us again to walk in your strength. As Paul says to the Galatians, you know, hey, you've been born by the Spirit. You've been born supernaturally. You've been made a child of God supernaturally. Therefore, walk in the Spirit. Walk supernaturally in the supernatural power that, that God has for you, that enables you to, to live these ways. Hey, you're not born into this, this new life to then try and live it out on your own back. No, God is working in you and through you by his Holy Spirit to see these things outworked. So Lord, I pray, Holy Spirit, would you come and would you meet us? Those of us who have, been, who have reached the end of our rope, I cannot live the way God wants me to live. Lord, I pray that you would come and you would place strength and gird them, Lord, with the knowledge that you are at work in them and through them. Lord, I pray for any, any areas particularly that, 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 that people might be feeling that, that you would come and you would meet them and, and strengthen them. Maybe you've, you feel like you've been in the crowd, looking in, 
rather than in the family, hearing the kind of the, the family values listed. Maybe you feel like you've been looking in as a member of the crowd and you're kind of, you're hearing some of this and you're thinking, I want, I want to get in on that. <laughs> I want to become part of that family. I want, to, I want to live as a child of God. If that's you, I would encourage you, uh, make yourself known. We'd love to pray with you. We'd love to, uh, to encourage you. Hey, this, this invite is for you. Jesus says, I've come, I've come for you. I've come to bring you into the family. Don't wait on the fringes. Bring yourself in. God, that's what Jesus has come to do, to call you in. So Lord, I, I want to thank you for, for all that you say to us in your Sermon on the Mount. I want to thank you for who you are. I want to thank you for these, uh, these words which are like a solid rock for us to build our life on, as you'll go on to say. I pray that you would encourage us and strengthen us. And as we hear all the commands and demands and, and expectations and promises that are, are in these passages that we're going to be going through over the coming weeks, I pray that you would strengthen us and encourage us and transform us so that we would be a city on a hill. Lord, I pray that Freedom Church would be that to North Hall and to the ends of the earth. Lord, we ask this in your mighty name. Amen. I just want to, uh, uh, to, to finish, um, I want to just create a bit of space for, for, for people to, to pray for one another. Um, I know that uh, there are a number of things that are going on in the, the life of the church at the moment that 